you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? DJ Bucky here for Move the Sticks. Uh, Buck, I'm back stateside here. A nice trip over to London. But I'm at, we've got so much content. This could be, we could make this a two-hour podcast. I'll do my best to condense it. There's a lot I want to talk about today. Oh, okay, well, shoot. Listen, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I am always up for having uh, kind of what I call a bird's-eye view conversation, but some of the conversations that we definitely have to have on this podcast, we got to talk about the Monday night game. Got to figure out what the New York Giants were doing throughout the game, uh, particularly when it comes <laughs> to time management. Amari Cooper going to Dallas. Interesting trade on both sides. Best landing spot for Patrick Peterson. The seven-time Pro Bowler voiced his opinion would like to be traded. We'll see if the Arizona Cardinals can accommodate it and what should teams give up for it. And then finally, we're going to talk about your trip to London. What did you learn? I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, look, our old producer, TD, uh, going back to the original, he, he was such a big soccer fan and we used to make fun of him, Buck, and i got to tell you, I, I went over to London. I know you're getting ready to go over there. You've got to get to, you've got to, get to a, a Premier League match. I, I, got, I got bit a little bit. I got bit a oh, little yeah? bit by that soccer, Buck. It was fun, man. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. I've got some ideas, too, of how uh, some things that I learned about over there, uh, how they deal with soccer, how I think there's some, some cool ideas we can incorporate with our de- player development here. Uh, on uh, on state side here, uh, but I want to start things off. Also, have some college football we'll get to later in the show. Uh, but I want to start things off. You mentioned that Monday night football game last night. A weird game, right? Falcons and Giants is just a uh, just an odd game to watch. Yeah, real real odd game um, to watch. It, it was odd in the sense that, man, uh, for Atlanta, Atlanta, I was I was impressed with their offense, the way they move and kind of get it going. Um, I thought Sarkeesian did a really good job of mixing the play pass, kept Matt Ryan comfortable. I like what they have in the young playmakers on the outside. Calvin Ridley, we saw Julio Jones continue to make plays. But for the New York Giants, like what you see, you see a collection of talent on the outside, um, but you still have issues on the inside. The offensive line and the quarterback are not playing up to par. And I just think it's hard to build an offense when you don't have those two components working in unison. The offensive line, Nate Solder getting run past. And I know a lot of people see him as a marquee player. He got a big contract. But what you're seeing is 
just because you lavish your big contract on somebody doesn't necessarily make them an A-level player. And right now, he's not playing at an A-level. And then with the quarterback, I'm not going to continue to beat up on the quarterback. The quarterback is what he is. He's very, very limited. And now you have to begin to question the judgment that he has at the end of games. Two times going for a quarterback sneak. It was over yeah, 40 was seconds bizarre, left. man. I mean, just bad. Just bad. You just don't see um, older quarterbacks doing that kind of stuff. Like normally Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they handle those situations. The fact that he couldn't do it just kind of brings him more into question. But that's a conversation for next year because they have to find their quarterback in the draft. Look, he threw for almost 400 yards, 399 yards, but I thought the box score looked much better than it did uh, when you watched the game. I- I'll put it to you this way, Buck. This is I was trying to figure out the way to phrase this. But w- when you watch teams around the league, and we talk about trucks and we talk about trailers, if you've listened to the pod, talking about quarterbacks that carry their team or teams that carry their quarterback, I- I'll say this. Sometimes you have an offensive line that can help make a quarterback look good. And sometimes you have a quarterback that can help make the offensive line look better than they are, right? You saw it with Peyton Manning forever. With what he had in front of him, he covered all that up. He was the Febreze, as we like to say, cover up all the stink. Well, with the Giants right now, you've got a quarterback that's not helping his offensive line. When you get a physical beat, he can't do anything to get away from it. And you've got an offensive line that's not protecting well enough to help the quarterback. So, literally, you've got nobody helping anybody uh, when you watch them offensively. And uh, they sit here with one win. Saquon Barkley, we've talked about that in the past. He's a phenomenal player. He's an impact player. And whoever the next quarterback is and, and this next group, he's going to be a key part of their future. But, uh, but man, there's not a whole lot else to get you excited. Odell Beckham, they've got receivers, they've got tight ends. But offensive line and quarterback, I would imagine we will see changes all over the place when they absolutely. go to the next season. I mean, absolutely. Like, just, just you'll see changes. We'll see everything <laughs> from them. It's just a very, very disappointing squad. It's a squad that has a lot of talent, um, a squad that should be much better than what they've been. But right now, uh, they're kind of hamstrung. And I think what has happened, they are so hamstrung with the personnel and the quarterback that the head coach – is out of character, acting out of he character. He looks like he is. He looks like he's about to pull his hair out on the sideline. Yeah, because he's trying. He's trying to kind of mask the play of the quarterback while also managing the game and getting the ball to the playmakers. And he just can't do what he would like to do. And I think a lot of that is due to number ten's issues. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see the offseason there. I do want to give the Falcons credit for this team to be this close. They're three and four, just one game under five hundred with the injuries they've had on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, tip of the cap to Matt Ryan, 31 of 39 for 379 and a touch. Um, he is somebody that, man, Buck, I think we, we if we were going to do a list of quarterbacks and put him in trucks and trailers, he's a truck, man. The way he's played, the way I know they've got some good pieces, but he makes people around him better. I think that's safe to say about Matt Ryan. He is playing at a very high level for a team that has been crushed with injuries. Yeah, I mean, they've been hurt with injuries on – on both sides of the ball, but particularly the defense side of the ball. But what we're seeing is offensively, I think they can kind of put the game in a way where their offense can kind of be their best defense. They can speed it up, slow it down, control it, try and win time for possession. And maybe in their mind, the formula is let's get time for possession to about 35 minutes that will minimize the exposure of the defense while controlling the game. That could be the winning recipe for them. I will say this, Dan Quinn has those guys playing hard. Um, he trusts them. They're running the football defensively they're running to the ball not always running in unison not always getting to the right spot but they are playing hard and there's something to be said for that they're in a division that is still there for them they can get back in the mix we'll see we'll see if the Atlanta Falcons can kind of make a late postseason push Matt Ryan completing 71.1 percent of his passes 15 touchdowns two picks Uh, so he is definitely keeping this team in the in the division hunt there no, no doubt all right let's get to uh to one trade that took place and, and one big name that's still floating around out there. Big news yesterday, Amari Cooper 
traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick. In, uh, and, Buck, I saw some of your reaction on Twitter. I've got some of my own thoughts here. But just uh, your initial reaction when you saw this trade. You know, I, I think it was, it was kind of about time. I, I think for the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, I can always um, tip a hat to an executive that kind of admits when they, they kind of knew that they made a mistake. And I think – I and the Cowboys, we kind of overvalued what they had currently on their roster. I thought that Dak Prescott would be able to elevate his game and kind of find a way to kind of play uh, basketball and distribute it to a bunch of different guys. But right now they don't have enough guys that can win, and he is not at a place where he can elevate their play. They need people on the outside that can elevate him. They recognize that. They go and get Amari Cooper, a true number one receiver to put on the outside. And what that will do, because people will talk about Amari Cooper, is he will reset the pecking order in the passing game. He'll be the number one. Cole Beasley will go back to being the number two. He can play his role, and maybe you can put them on the same side. And Cole Beasley can still have nine, ten catches a game, but he doesn't have the pressure of having to carry the passing game. And then you're able to open up some running lanes for Ezekiel Elliott. I think Amari Cooper's presence alone allows this offense to flow better. But now, really, the pressure shifts. It's on Dak Prescott, and really it's on Scott Linehan. Can Scott Linehan craft an offense to get the ball into the hands of Amari Cooper enough times where people have to fear him? And can Dak Prescott play well enough now that he has guys around him to elevate his game? That is the million-dollar question, but we'll find out. Yeah, I don't have a problem uh, you know, parting with a first-round pick if you feel like you've got a premier player um, at the position. Look, it's their number one position in need. They need some more weapons around Dak Prescott. That's, that's no mystery. Uh, what I do have a question about is whether or not – which Amari Cooper are you getting? Are you getting the Mark, the Amari Cooper we scouted coming out of Alabama, the Amari Cooper we saw those first couple years in the league who was pretty dynamic, or are you getting the guy we saw over the last two years? Now, whether that's added weight or what it is, all I know, Buck, is when I watch him, I see a, a lot of drops. I mean, he's up there. I don't know what the number is, but it's way up there in terms of drops that he's had over the last two years. And then I see him a, a little bit of a sluggish athlete. Now, I know I've seen a stat floating around there. They talk about yards, average yards of separation, which to me – that stat, when you you get uh, a busted coverage, you create 15 yards of separation. I don't know. You average all that stuff up. That's uh, I'll leave that up to other folks. What I do know is when I look at some some numbers that historically mean something, uh, yards per game, 48.6 in 2017, 2018, 46.7. Amongst wide receivers, that ranks 41st and 53rd uh, during those years. In 2017, you talk about a vertical stretch. Okay, how many catches over 20-plus yards? He had nine. That ties him for 36th. 2018, he's had four so far. That ties him for 45th. So those are not great numbers. You feel good about parting with a first-round pick. Now, my question is, are you going to get the 2015-16 Amari Cooper or the 2017-2018 Amari Cooper? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's that's the big thing. Um the one thing I do wonder, like he is a guy that was, uh, it appeared to be really, really affected by the coaching change and the schematic change that may have taken place in Oakland between his second and third year. They got rid of Bill Musgrave after Derek Carr's big year. Uh, they wanted Todd Downing to be the offensive coordinator. It didn't necessarily go well. Uh, the offense was very, very elementary and, and static, and he didn't perform well. This year, John Gruden comes back. They still haven't been able to find a way to make him a very, very productive player. Some of that may be on 89. Some of that might be on the quarterback number four. Regardless, now he goes to Dallas. We'll get an opportunity to do it. I will say this because he has been one of the guys that has been one of the league leaders in drops. 
that might just be a part of his game. And there have been plenty of players who have been able to be successful despite having to drop. Terrell, Terrell Owens is one of those guys. He might just have to be a high-volume shooter where you have to throw him a, a lot and know that he's going to drop one or two, but he's going to make the plays that are there to be made. He has to improve in that pack, and he has to find a way to put the ball in the paint. You would like to see a guy with his skill set find a way to score more touchdowns on the outside. Yeah, no question. And to me, I'm okay with some drops if you have, you know, we always talk about the drops being offset by some special plays. He just hasn't had over the last couple of years those special plays to offset the number of drops that he's had. So um, is he more talented than any receiver the Cowboys have? Yes, um, I do believe that's the case. But he has not played like a premier wide receiver you would trade a first-round pick for over the last two years. Maybe they find a way to get that out of him. I don't know. When you look at the quarterback situation, I don't know that he's upgraded there. Maybe you can, you know, argue at either side. Um, but I don't think that's a, a big difference there. Play caller-wise, I don't know if there's a big difference there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs there. The pressure's on. Cowboys trading for, for wide receivers historically, Bucky. They've done it, I think, what, three times? Or, you know, mm-hmm. who, who have we got? We've got mm-hmm. uh, Joey Galloway, Roy Williams. Uh, anybody else am I missing? Is this just the third one? I think this is just the third time. They got Terry Glenn, but I can't remember if they got Terry Glenn as a free agent or if that was a trade. I think it might have been a free agent. But regardless, like they tried to kind of swing – uh, for defenses on wide receivers, and they haven't necessarily been successful to the level of what they gave up. But I think this is a reasonable trade. First-round pick for a player. Joey Galloway and Roy Williams cost him two. Well, Galloway cost him two first-round picks. Roy Williams cost him a first, a third, a and a something, something like that. Some, something yeah, like that. Like three so three picks. picks. Yeah. Um, I think they have a better success rate with Amari Cooper. Here's what I do believe they did, though. I think they looked ahead at the 2019 wide receiver class in the draft, and I think they were e- – able to make a quick determination. Amari Cooper is better than anybody that was going to be available there. I think Amari Cooper is probably better than any free agent that was available. And you're going to hear people talk about the $13 million, got to pay him $15 million, but just know this. Sammy Watkins got $16 Who would you million. Take? Who would you their, take? I would take Amari Cooper over Sammy Watkins. Amari Cooper okay. has been more productive. Amari Cooper has been um, – I can't say more consistent, but he's been more productive more times throughout his career. The thing about Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins is more explosive, but he's also been on the sideline with a bunch of different injuries. So that is the deciding factor for me. But you have to get – everyone has to kind of wrap their mind around the fact that receivers get $16 million a year. Starting receivers, good starting level receivers are going to get that. Have you come back on that, though? Because when Sammy got that money, you gave me a hard time because I said that is crazy. That he's got that, that he got what he got. No, I saw you Sammy, think that I saw was, you think that was worth it? I think that's the going rate. If if Case Keenum and Blake Borders can make eighteen million dollars and suck got, at quarterback, then I think he's got dude one who, touchdown I with mean, the most explosive offense in the NFL. I mean, one. I mean, Tyreek Hill and those guys, they're hogging all the they're hogging all the balls. <laughs> I mean, every time I look at half for one Tyreek, touchdown. Tyreek Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are hogging all the balls because all the attention is on Sammy Watkins, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, that is the going rate. Like everyone is making $16 million. Brandon Cooks makes $16 million. So that is the rate. So if Brandon you're Cooks to, is producing. He is. So I'm saying in this conversation, in terms with Amari Cooper, $13 million is a bargain, a bargain rate for what the wide receiver position is because I don't know if you're going to find it in the draft. You're definitely not going to find that in free agency where you can find a guy that can be that productive that was a top, former top five pick. You know what? I was just curious. It would be fun to like go into the, the Cowboys uh, into a personnel meeting there when they're getting ready to make this trade and just, just start rattling off. Go, okay, hey, before we do this, 
I'm just going to rattle off receivers in the league, and you tell me if you'd rather have that receiver or Amari Cooper, and just go boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden you get down to like, man, I'm at I'm at 34 receivers I'd rather have than Amari Cooper, and we're going to part with the first-round pick. Like, where is that cutoff line? Where is that value lie? Now, look, if you get – again, we just beat, 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 beat the drum here, but if you if you get the early version of Amari Cooper – Heck yeah, it's uh, it's worth it. I just don't know which Amari Cooper is going to show up. That's my that's the my, good Amari uh, Cooper is going to show up. There. The good Amari Cooper is so? going to show up. Yeah, the good one, the good one. Okay, the Amari that we we know and love. It's going to be Alabama all over again. Heavy run game. He gets to go outside one on one coverage. He's going to take the top off, make plays. I think everyone's going to be happy. Now the trick is, I want to ask you this because everyone is like giving the. Oakland Raiders a standing ovation because now they have five first round picks over the last over the next Better two years. They got Better three first round picks in next year's draft. Um, you know, DJ, like I don't I don't know if people remember this, but the Minnesota Vikings had three first round picks. I think they're the last team that had three first round picks. So you know what those three picks were? Give them to me. Sharif Floyd, Xavier Injury. Rhodes, great player, Cordero Patterson. Don't go with the Patriots. <laughs> Kick returner, right? So when uh, every yeah. so everyone is slam dunk, it's not a slam, not a slam dunk. dunk. And, and like what I want people to understand is in in draft rooms, you hope that when you take a first round pick that he will be a multiple time Pro Bowler. We can say whatever we want to say about the process. Say whatever we want to say about Amari Cooper. He's been uh, to the Pro Bowl twice. Khalil Mack has been to the Pro Bowl a few different times and was an All Pro player. It is hard to find those guys in the draft. Like it, yeah. like wherever you're picking in the first round. Hard to identify those guys. And if the Dallas Cowboys do what they think they do, that pick is not going to be a top 10 pick. Maybe that pick is in the 20s if they get into the playoffs. So now you're dealing with the Raiders pick, which could be a top 10 pick. You're dealing with the Bears pick, which looks like it might be mid-teens to 20s. So you may get a high pick and two low first-round picks. What are you really getting out of that? And so, I don't know. It looks good on paper, and I know everyone loves to let's make a deal, but I just don't know how this is going to play out for the Oakland Raiders, particularly when – I don't really trust the guy that's going to be making the pick in John Gruden. How about Buck? We forgot about a team. 2017 Cleveland Browns. Oh, Miles God. Garrett. Miles Garrett first pick, home run, right? Yeah, yeah. Second first round pick, Jabril Peppers. Mm, mm, mm. Not really. But the third first round pick, David Njoku. I think he's one of the better young tight ends in the NFL. So they got two. They got, they got two, two. And they Peppers two. is a good returner, and he's starting. He's not playing great, but he's the starting. only the, the only difference is like Miles. Garrett has given you immediate returns. In Joku, it took the this year. Maybe he'll get to a Pro Bowl level of what Jabril Peppers you haven't gotten anything out of. But when you're thinking about this in the immediate turnaround, you basically had two Pro Bowl players entering their prime. Amara Cooper is 24. Khalil Mack is older, like 26, 27. But you kind of knew what you had in those commodities. And so you gave up proven commodities behind what's behind door number two. Man, I don't know, man. I, I love the draft, and I love, like, thinking that I could be the guru when it comes to evaluating. But sometimes, man, I just kind of like to know what I have because I can build yep. around that part of it. Well, I know he's he's got an injury, and he's uh, not going to play anymore for the Buckeyes. But there is one particular dude that, uh, if you're a Raider fan, will get But you, you got to be number up. one, though. You got to get the number one. Buck, they're terrible. They, they've traded. They got to get the number one. They can play. They got to get they the put Marshawn one. Lynch on IR. They've they've traded the best defensive player in the league, arguably, in Khalil Mack. Um, you know, it, my whole thing is look. If I guarantee, this is my prediction. If Derek Carr gets some more, he gets beat up a little bit more and has some injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if they even shut him down. 
You and just think? shut them down. You think? Just shut them yeah, down. Yeah, they're not winning anything this year. Just shut them down. Just get shut that pick up there. Well, I mean, but they, if they come out of all may, this, they may if they sh- come out shut them down this, and ship them out because you know. Well, that might, I'm not. I'm not saying that won't happen, but I'm just saying, I don't. You know, Gruden got super upset when he was it was insinuated that he would be tanking, but we talked about it on the podcast. It's it's to me, it's it makes sense. You, title or tanking? You you fall into one of the two. You're chasing a title, or you, you or you tank. And I know it's not popular. You're not supposed to say that. I want to be competitive and and all that kind of stuff. But being seven and nine and eight and eight does you nothing. Does you nothing in in, in the NBA. Does you, you know being 500 in the NBA does you nothing. Um, and I think the NFL is similar. You you want to get up there and get impact blue chip players. Man, the Oakland Raiders are on their way. If they come out of that with that dude from Ohio State and hit on a couple other guys and. Maybe we'll all look back on this and say that John Gruden was smarter than everybody else. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But I don't have <laughs> we'll a lot see. of faith. I don't have a lot of faith in the play, in, in, in the picker. And I know Reggie McKenzie's sitting there saying no, like it's a perfect I, I look, thing. Look, I hear you. I don't expect I wasn't Reggie. the biggest Colt Miller fan. Uh, and it showed. Did, did you see Did you see what they were doing to Colt Miller the other day? Yeah, it's not It's not very nice. Man, they were sitting him nice. down. Sitting it's not nice. him down. I mean, yeah, those uh, those pass rushes were not playing well with others. That was on the report. <laughs> uh, let's get to uh, let's get to another name that's out there in Patrick Peterson. Um, the Cardinals have come out. Steve Wilkes has come out and said he's not getting traded. Patrick Peterson has made it known he's requested a trade. He wants to be traded. I believe his brother-in-law has gone online and said uh, McFadden, who played in the NFL for a long time, has gone online and said that the Saints are his preferred destination. Source: Patrick Peterson. Uh, so we know kind of where he'd like to go. Now, the Saints don't have a first-round pick next year. They traded it uh, in this past draft to get up there and get Marcus Davenport. But there's a bunch of teams I think would definitely be interested in Peterson. So I lobbed this one out on Twitter, and, of course, people lost their minds. I think the you know the think-outside-the-box level on Twitter and nuance is, is definitely lost. Uh, but this was uh, what I proposed because if you're Arizona, you have to sell that you won the trade, right? Mm-hmm. So the way you sell you won the trade is, oh, we got two first-round picks. Think about Khalil Mack. The Raiders got two first-round picks. Now, the thing that I would advocate for is say, okay, you don't want to give up two first-round picks for a corner. I get that. You talk about quarterbacks, pass rushers. Those are the guys that demand the, the big-time compensation. But just hear me out here. I said a 2019 first-round pick, and this is only for a handful of teams. So I'm talking about teams that feel like they're one player away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, 2019 and 2020 first-round picks, so two first-round picks. Uh, and uh, and then it would be a fourth-round pick th- in uh, in 2019 as well. So you're giving up two ones and a four. You're getting Patrick Peterson back and next year's second-round pick from the Cardinals, which, as it states right now, Buck, is, is probably going to be pick 33, 34, 35. So mm-hmm. if you win the Super Bowl, you're picking 32. Arizona could have the first pick in the draft. They're picking th- – you've really swapped one spot. So it, then the compensation truly when you look at it is a one and a four. So you have to ask yourself, would you give up a one and a four for Patrick Peterson? And my other point was, look, if you have a, if you have a good GM, a creative GM, you know how easy it is when you're picking in the second round to trade back nine, ten spots. You have four or five guys that are still there that you love. You trade back ten spots. You pick up a fourth-round pick like that. You can recover that fourth-round pick no problem. Then you're basically trading. You're getting Patrick Peterson for a first-round pick. That that's the way I kind of creatively look at it. It's a way the Cardinals can sell. They won the trade. They got two first-round picks. Rah rah rah. You know everybody thinks that they won the trade, but I don't think that's that costly for a guy who is still, if not the best player at his position, one of the three best players at his position. 
has height, weight, speed, the size to match up with bigger guys. His character, leadership, off the field, awesome. Everything you've ever heard about Patrick Peterson, off the charts. Isn't it terrific? If that's the finishing piece and you're like a team like Kansas City and that wins you a championship, he's that finishing piece just to ensure it. It's Super Bowl insurance is what I would call it there with Patrick Peterson. I think I'd do it. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I think the big thing is you know you're getting a player in his prime. You're getting a proven player. You're getting a player who has done it um, at the highest level. And you have to feel good about that part of it. Um, it's just a matter of what you want to give up. And also, who are you willing to outbid for it? I think when we talk about the Amari Cooper trade, people were going crazy because it was a first-round pick. But if it's on record and they reported that maybe the Philadelphia Eagles and some other teams that offer a two-form, you have to kind of win – the deal if you want to get it so you got to be able to you got to you have to be willing to pay the price and you can't be afraid you can't just hoard all the picks because at some points those picks have to become players I know what I'm getting in Patrick Peterson I'll take the player over the pick because I know exactly what I'm getting on the field yeah and people say oh, he's 28 years old he is still playing at an elite level and I, I think mean I think if look, you look at this like he's like, a physical like, he's one of the like most worst, physically talented kids ever come into the league worst, worst, worst case scenario okay so he's 27 28 years old so let's just say he stays into until he's 31 in terms of staying yeah. kind of in his prime well that's three years like that's that's kind of what we expect that's what we expect the lifespan of an NFL player like I'm fine with that I'm willing to take that chance that he's going to play well uh 28 29 30 and maybe 31 he begins to show slides of telling off Oh, well, I'm good with that. Hey, Buck, and by the way, having you know, seen what Rod Woodson did in his career, you're trying to tell me that at 31-32, worst-case scenario, Patrick Peterson isn't a Pro Bowl safety? He could cross-train back there easy. That was one of the questions when he was coming out. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? A lot of people had him as a safety on their draft board. Yeah, because I'm be, I'm be honest with you. like He has played much better at corner than I ever imagined. I thought he was a great athlete at LSU. I thought he was a terrific punt returner. I wasn't as high on him as some when it came to like playing corner because I felt like he had some flaws in his game when it came to kind of being a little handsy and those things. Terrific athlete. Um, I do believe he does have the football IQ to move back to safety and be a big-time player. We've seen Charles, we've seen guys, Rob Wilson, Charles Wilson, guys who understand the game, be able to make that move and continue to make plays in the middle of the field. I absolutely believe he could transition and be a solid free safety as he gets older and older uh, in his career. And I don't think there would be any adjustment period. You know, people come over there, okay, you're going to a new team. How do you fit in? How do you adjust? He can play any coverage. He can play press. He can play off. He'll learn what you want to do with him in two seconds. It would be an immediate, you know, fill in and just just rock and roll with Patrick Peterson, upgrade your the position there. So, um, Matt, like I know, I, I get it. You know, there's a lot of really, really smart football people that will tell you, um, you don't, you know, Khalil Mack is a pass rusher. I get it. Uh, you can overpay for pass rushers. You can overpay for quarterbacks. They'd be reluctant to overpay for a corner. I think this is just a little bit different. I think this is a unique situation. I do believe it's a unique situation. I believe you have to go for it. And I believe if you're one of those teams that understands the need that you have and you're looking for a playmaker, a difference maker. I think Pat Peterson is only one of only a handful of guys that are out there available that can, can make it happen at corner. I believe you have to go all out to make it happen. All right, let's, uh, let's get into my trip to London here, Buck. I know you're going there in, uh, in just a couple weeks. First of all, great city. Beautiful city, uh, clean, and people were friendly and great food. The, the weather was phenomenal. I know it rains a lot over there. We had just uh, perfect weather uh, for the couple days I was there. Handsome Hank Henry, uh, our good buddy Henry Hodgins, showed me and Money Around, gave us kind of a private tour of the city, had a great time. Um, and I want to get we'll get into the, uh, the NFL stuff over there in just a second. But 
My favorite thing I did, I went to a to an English Premier League match there. I went and saw Chelsea Ooh. against Man United, which was a big How about game. that? So, oh, it was so much fun. Uh, but on the way over there, I started watching the All or Nothing series uh, they did on, Man- on uh, Man City, Manchester City, which is a Premier League team over there. And you know me, Buck. I know nothing about soccer. So I kind of wanted to, you know, download this. I think it was like 10 episodes. I'm about four in. Uh, just trying to learn the system over there and how, how it works. I've always wanted all these different leagues. How does it all come together? Um, and uh, really, really would highly recommend it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. The all or nothing's in the NFL on the Rams, the Cardinals, the Cowboys are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck, you need to watch this one. Uh, when you get that long flight over there, I recommend it. Okay. It's fantastic. I'm all about and, it. And, and you can you kind of learn about how the system works there. One of the things I love is the academies um, that each of these Premier League teams have for these kids starting really young, and it got me thinking – Talk about people worry about the you know develop the participation levels in football being a little bit down at the youth levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't it be a great initiative if they just take all 32 teams in the NFL, started their own youth academy, hire coaches? Now I know you get very involved in in the uh, in the flag football scene, the seven on seven circuit that goes in the off season. But why not have it sanctioned through the NFL with the individual teams that that kind of collect some of these most talented players in these NFL cities, and you start giving them, like they do with those academies over there, you start giving these kids not only good football instruction, you start giving them the proper nutrition, the proper training, um, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of what you eventually get into weights. But eventually, you know, you're just developing them physically, you're teaching them diet, you're teaching them healthy habits, you're teaching them the game, you're getting them in the, in, in the film room. I don't you need to do that with a six- or seven-year-old. We get to be 11 or 12. I think why not? And have you have 32 of those academies, teams in those cities competing in their own, you know, Pop Warner leagues or flag leagues to be a part of that program. I think it would be awesome. I mean, it would be kind of cool. I, I, I'm very, I'm always been fascinated by the development program that they have in the soccer programs overseas at the high level, like how they are able to identify young players, how they train young players, and they kind of have a plan in place for their guys to go. I think there's some, certainly something to be said for taking their methods and obviously having to tweak them, but when it comes to football, but being able to really look at what they're doing and to copy it. We started doing some of the stuff with the GPS stuff and the way we're monitoring athletes and the way they go about doing their business on the pitch um, and then using some of that stuff in football. But it would be um, – I think that's next-level stuff. I think the great teams will go over and they will spend some time and just try and figure out how to figure out how to develop – younger players, how to identify them early, and how to put them kind of on a track to max them out as athletes and players. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, it'd be a, a cool ownership thing. You know, instead of just going and showing your face and, and signing some autographs at, at a you know at a youth football league, actually have team put some money into it and, and mm-hmm. start, you know, even have, if you had your own facility, like a youth facility, all 32 teams, that would be a drop in the bucket for the league. Uh, to make an investment and say every NFL team is going to have a youth facility. Now, they won't get the rights to them like they would in soccer. You know, you don't own their rights as they come up and go through college. But what you're doing is you're saying we're going to help train these kids uh, at a young level. And the best of the best, the cream will always rise to the, cr- to the top. And I think it would, be a fun, it would be a fun thing, a great investment in the future of the sport uh, that has seen, at least in tackle football, has seen some of the participation drop a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I, th- I think – we're at the point where we have to do it. Obviously, coaching high school ball, you can see the numbers, and the numbers are declining um, when you look at the lower levels. And so you have to find a way to feed the pipeline. Um, and one of the ways we can do it is by having more teams get involved at the lower levels and really invest 
in the grassroots part of the game. The NFL is doing uh, some terrific work. They're doing a lot of great things when it comes to development, but teams can also step up and, and do even more to just ensure that the game is still going to be prosperous when we think 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Um, the stuff that you're talking about overseas stuff that we certainly should still and think about kind of implementing into the National Football League and some of the football programs that we have. And on the fun side of things, I don't know if you got a chance to see the video that I put together uh, going over there. Uh, take a crack at our, our guys over there at the Around the NFL podcast because, uh, you know, we hear about how popular they are over there, Buck. And I went and talked to a lot of folks. And there's uh, there's quite a few Move the Sticks podcast fans overseas. I, I don't know that we, we, we beat our chest maybe like they do. Um, but uh, there's, some, there's some fans over there, Buck. They enjoy the pod over there. Okay, well, I appreciate that. I mean, it, it sounds like the Around – NFL guys kind of have it on lock over there. Like, we need to kind of have some penetration uh, and build up a following. But I am fascinated <laughs> by – t- But you're going over there. I am going over there. So you're going. So, so I'm going over there with I started. To I tried to, to start the movement, but I started the move the sticks movement. And, you got to take the baton. expand the brand a little bit, see if we can do some stuff. Um, yes. It should be fun. It should be fun. It should be fun to go over. Um, I'm excited. I, I know we're having the big London week this week. A lot of the NFL network talent, NFL media talent is over there kind yeah. of promoting and working with it. So it would be fun to continue to go over there and be a part of the movement because um, maybe, just maybe, there's a team that is destined to go over to London. And last thing I'll get you on London, we'll get to some college football. Uh, at, that, at that match, uh, games at the match is at Chelsea. Uh, so it's Man United against Chelsea. And there's a, several NFL folks there. So I'm sitting, it's me, Matt Money-Smith, uh, Henry's there, Alex Reith-Miller, who works in NFL PR. We're kind of all in a row. So get this, and then in front of us, we have English soccer fans, like big-time Chelsea fans. Behind us, there's fans of the Tennessee Titans that have come over for the Chargers-Titans game, and they're from Kentucky. So in front of us, Buck, you you hear, ooh, it's a lovely pass, uh, you know, it's, you know, these thick, <laughs> thick uh, British accents. And then behind us, this guy is trying to explain the game to his wife, and, it, and it, the thickest – uh, southern accent you've ever heard before. Wow, look at that ball, Ben. That ball is bent. Look, see how he bent the ball right there, sweetie? This is what you call like an all-star team. Remember the Olympics and we saw these guys play for this country and that country? It's it's, it's, it's fixing to be an all-star team. And it, and it was the, the difference between what was taking place in front of us and, and when Chelsea was losing, people losing their minds. And the guy behind us trying to explain to his wife how this is going to go to overtime, which it does not go to overtime. He does not know the rules. Uh, <laughs> and me and Mike are kicking each other the whole time, man. We're crying, laughing. It was so great. It was so great. Listen to this guy. If you've seen Seinfeld, there's an episode where Kramer is betting on which airplanes are going to land first uh, with, his, with this guy from Houston, Texas. He's got a cowboy hat on, and it is oh, it is so funny. That was exactly what was taking place there at the soccer match. Oh, that's unbelievable. That is funny. I love I love kind of hearing <laughs> those conversations good. from afar, especially when you know the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like that is also that's pretty funny. I don't know if I would have been able to resist not kind of stepping in and being like, no, by the way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. Uh, uh, <laughs> are you ready to uh, kick over to some college football? I mean, why not? Like, college football is fun. Like, I, I want to talk to you about this report, though, 
Washington State knocked off Oregon, but that's like, that's a sad story. The bigger story coming out of the game, Justin Herbert is talking about planning on returning to Oregon. And anyone who doesn't know about Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert is a big-time quarterback at the University of Oregon. He is a guy that has been kind of touted as maybe the top quarterback prospect in the draft and a possible number one pick. You're talking about a guy that's 6'5", 245 pounds, super athletic, uh, can make every throw. But he's a junior, so he may not necessarily be seasoned enough to come to the league, but there are a lot of people fascinated about him. What do you think about this potential or reported decision that he may go back to Oregon to play his final season? Yeah, I'd heard some things about Sam Donald the year before, but it was over the summer. I think we were out at the Elite 11, yep. and there was a lot of buzz you know, that he, was not, he would not come out the following year. Now, as you got through the year – uh, that talk disappeared. So this is a little bit later on in the process to get a report like this that Herbert's coming back. But that is consistent uh, with what I had heard coming into the season. Um, you talked to some folks uh, and got kind of a consistent message there. His brother's going to be coming to school there next year. He wants to play with his brother. He's local. Um, it's a big deal to him to stay. Obviously, academics extremely important to him, 4.0 student, and, uh, and he just enjoys his time there. Uh, so I had heard that, but we hear this all the time, Buck, and then you get to the end of the process, you get to the end of the season, and you say, man, I don't know, I could be the first overall pick, um, and then uh, and then I could get injured. All these things come into place, and you try and figure things out. So I wouldn't say it's a done deal yet, um, but this is definitely an interesting, uh, interesting case here. If he does go back to school, you know, I, I really like Daniel Jones from, from Duke. We'll see what he does uh, if he decides to come out. Uh, we've talked a bunch about some of these other quarterbacks with Will Greer and Drew Locke. I don't know if those guys are, you know, top five pick type guys mm-hmm. um but uh but man it'll be interesting to see if herbert goes back now all of a sudden all that talk from the giants fans of see you know we've got the running back we just turn around and get the quarterback in the next draft that doesn't always work out like that yeah you're absolutely right about that dj like so many of us me included i talked about well you know maybe they could be better off i mean now they have the running back in place they have the receiver in place they have the other things just drop the quarterback in but the problem with that is yeah like a guy like justin herbert if he decides not to enter the draft now you have to see is there a quarterback worthy of being a top five or top ten pick if there's not one there do you manufacture one or do you go into free agent market and try and find one um it just kind of complicates matters a little bit um which kind of brings the people who are saying like hey they should have taken a quarterback when they're sitting at number two because this is the only opportunity where you get a guy and if you identify one it's the thing we'll just kind of see how this plays out but certainly there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks that were not necessarily excited about the news. They weren't digging that news. We're excited about the news. Next question here. Um, bigger bigger story coming out of the Big Ten this last week. Uh, biggest surprise when you look at some of the NFL talent on these teams. Uh, but Ohio State getting absolutely pulverized by Purdue. Is that bigger story? Or is it uh, Michigan State getting pulverized by Michigan? What's the what's the bigger one there? Oh, I think the bigger story has to be Purdue absolutely whooping Ohio State. And the fact that Ohio State threw 73 times in the game. I love Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. H- however. That's a bit I much. Don't want, I don't want him to throw that much. I think yeah. that's a little much uh, to expose him to that many throws. And the fact that you're Ohio State, you're the Buckeyes, and the Buckeyes have kind of prided themselves in being the bullies on the block. Part of that bully mentality comes from being able to run the football whenever and wherever you want to. The fact that they weren't able to do it to Purdue speaks volumes about maybe some of the offensive issues that they have because they certainly have the personnel in place, it appears, at the skill position to be able to do it. Maybe there's an issue along the offensive line, or maybe it was just a deal where they got behind and they just kind of had to abandon the game plan. But you certainly would like to see more run-pass balance between 
uh, when Ohio State has the football. Yeah, you know, I didn't get a chance to see these games because over in London, so I'm anxious to watch the tape on uh, on both those games. But that score shocked me uh, when I saw it. Now, Michigan, Michigan State. The one one question I just want to ask you on this because again, I, I didn't see this game. Obviously, mm-hmm. saw the highlights and it looked like Michigan got after them pretty good there. Um, but we have to do our – we're releasing our updated combined joint little top 25 prospect list at this point in the process. Very early. We've still got a lot of work to do on these guys. Mm-hmm. But just a direct comparison. I ended up flipping it. I ended up moving uh, Rashawn Gary over Ed Oliver. Would you have Ed Oliver or Rashawn Gary? It's Again, we're real early in the process. We're neither one is going to held to this right now, Buck. But just right now, who would, who would I you just, have? I just had – I had Ed Oliver still over Rashawn Gary. But Rashawn Gary is maybe the more impressive athlete. And I think yeah. the, the athleticism, so it allows you to do stuff and right bigger. You know, talking about being in a prize fight, uh, heavyweights versus middleweights and, and the like. Rashawn Gary is more the prototypical prospect that we typically fall in love with at that position. He also has a little versatility being able to kind of move up and down the line. And so you get it. He flashes. Maybe Ed Oliver's a little more consistent when it comes to the production, but there's something to be said for the size. And you have to factor that in. Uh, every smaller player that's productive is not Aaron Donald, not Geno Atkins, so we just got to make sure that Ed Oliver is going to be able to do those things at the next level. And our guy Kent uh, uh, whisper in our ear there, Rajon Gary has missed a couple games here with injury. Man, I, but I watched him uh, early in the season, haven't watched him over the summer, Buck. I just, man, it there's there's a lot to like there. I used a comparison to Cam Jordan when I when I studied him, and that to me is uh, still sticks. And we've seen what Cam. That's Jordan it. Can and, do. and you know the funny thing about the Cam Jordan thing is I was a little low on Cam Jordan when he was coming out of Cal because much like Rashawn, he had a lot of talent, but you just didn't know where you put him. Like where do you put him at? And I never envisioned Cam Jordan becoming the kind of sack That's producer yeah. that he has become because he's kind of a tweener when you looked at him. Eh, is he three four? Five yeah. technique is he a DN? Like where does he fit? He's just a really good playmaker, and so I think with Rashawn Gary, we have to be able to look at him and see does he have the traits to be a really, really good playmaker, and what system is best for him at the next level. All right, last thing here on the college front, I got to uh, be a little bit selfish here, Buck. I'm on the plane in London, and the Wi-Fi <laughs> wasn't working, and finally it, it kicked in and started working, and my phone blew up uh, from uh, coworkers, friends, uh, you know, former teammates, all that good stuff. Uh, saying App State was ranked number 25. So fourth year in Division One, they win uh, their 3-0 and in bowl games. They've won the Sun Belt Conference twice, hopefully on the way to winning it for a third time. Mm-mm. And now they find themselves in the AP Top 25. Uh, uh, I was pumped. I was pumped. Careful. Now, it could be, be short-lived. No, 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 no. I'm saying could be short-lived, but it's a it's a big moment for me, Buck. It's it a is big a big moment. it's a big moment for the program. It's a good big moment for all the alums and everyone who has kind of contributed to the program's ascension. However, you know what typically happens after these things, right? What typically happens is you run it up, you get those things, and then someone plucks you, coach. <laughs> so true. you, you want to be coming. I'm a so, prepared so, for so, it. So what you want to do is you want to win enough. But you don't want to win, like, too much where all of a sudden he becomes a national story and a name and then all these teams are coming and they throw these big checks and then you have to dig into the personal Daniel Jeremiah account to save the school and save the program and keep Satterfield there. Well, I'm hoping, though, first of all, there's not a whole lot in that fund. Uh, but I'm hoping, though, this can kind of be like – we're kind of be like Boise. We saw Boise you know, roll through some different coaches and still have a lot of success. You've seen Butler do it in basketball. Um, App, you know, Jerry Moore was there when I was there for a long time and had that uh, – 
had an incredible run. We won three national championships at the 1AA level. And, uh, Coach Satterfield played for him. So everything's kind of stayed in the family. And they've got a young defensive coordinator now. I think he's only 31 years old who is mm-hmm. awesome. So I would imagine if Satterfield does get a job, uh, they'd just promote from within there and, and hopefully he can keep things rolling. Uh, I think we do have a radio call there from their win last week, 27-17 to 17, uh, over Louisiana Lafayette. Do we, have a, do we have a radio call? Kent, fire that thing up. I want to hear, hear the App State Mountaineers. Thomas in the shotgun, Williams the running back. They'll give to Marcus, running right, cuts to the middle of the field, runs over the linebacker and gets in. That's an App State touchdown for Marcus Williams, Jr. Get off the tracks when the train's coming through. Ah, Great call. Get off the tracks when the train's coming through there, Buck. Wow, get off the tracks. I love it. USC, Florida State, all these uh, historical... Powerful programs, all looking up at App State and AP Bowl. Although I would caution, fellas, please, please be careful. Thursday night, Statesboro, Georgia at Georgia Southern rivalry game. Georgia Southern six and one, uh, and they would love nothing more than to remove us from that list after one brief week. They would, but uh, you know, you guys got to be ready. Like this is not your first time on the big show. I know, like App State, like four years Division One, but they've won a bunch of games. The program has won a ton of games at the lower level. They've been national titles what three time. National yep. champions. They've knocked off big teams. Like it shouldn't be too big. It shouldn't be. It should be a big deal on the outside, but on the inside, that should be the expectation. I would like to think that the program is at that point where it's the standard. The standard is yep. the standard. It doesn't change. I'm just glad I was able to get through there before the program got to this level. I wasn't good enough to play with this group they got now, buddy. Oh my god, that much. Uh, I was glad I got timed that up good. Uh, anyways, that's uh, anything else you want to add? What are you working on this week, Buck? Man, I'm sitting here trying to do it. I just got win. Eli Apple traded to the New Orleans Saints. So, Pat Peterson. They took the discount. Been, they, they went to the dollar a, store. Yeah, they're they like, ah, nah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to go over here and get this this off off rack, off fifth. Sacks off fifth, Nordstrom rack. We're going to shop here. We're not going to go to the big store. We're not going to go to the big <laughs> no, store. No, no, no. Here, here's what it is, Buck. <laughs> there, Patrick Peterson was the steak. They were looking over there. And they, I think we're going to get a steak. They saw the price tag and said, you know what? I'd rather have an apple. Yeah. I would. Nice. Cute. Cute. All right, Buck, that's going to do it for us today, man. Fun episode. Covered a lot of ground. Hope everybody enjoyed listening to it. It's great to be back uh, in the United States. Looking forward to a big football weekend. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, just working on a notebook. I'm talking about the Cowboys getting their man. Hugh Jackson wanted to be more involved in the offense. And the Philadelphia Eagles' lack of a running game has hurt Carson Wentz. Oh, there you go. Bucky's Notebook. Don't miss it each and every week. It is awesome. NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening, uh, for downloading, for leaving us a rating and review there on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.